Hi guys, welcome to the Accounting Tech Tar Pit, presented by Early Adopters Hub, the accelerator for accounting tech. I'm your host, Jack Teal, and this is a podcast for accounting tech startup founders focused on no BS, candid conversations about the challenges and benefits of building a startup in the accounting industry. Welcome back, listeners. Johan and I are thrilled to be joined by an exceptional and, and very special guest, someone who's contributed a lot to us and our business, who's very close to the Early Adopters Hub as an advisor and first ever member, early adopter of the Early Adopters Hub, as we like to say. Um, so yeah, great to have you here, Alistair Barlow. Hey, Jack, how you doing? Hey, Johan, great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. And we know you're a busy guy because every time we try and get time in your calendar, we're, we're talking months and months away. And so we had to get in early, but but we managed to get it, and 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 yeah, we do thank you for your time. I think I think I think you I think you only snuck in because my PA is on holiday at the moment, and she wasn't she wasn't able to uh, swat it away and push it to a more appropriate time. So I think that's how you, you snuck through the through the uh, through the holiday. We'll take our luck. We'll take what we can get. Um, yeah, every every minute with you is valuable. And um, look for the, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know you. Hopefully, there's not many of them. But um, look. You're, you're obviously someone who's pretty critical to the accounting industry. You do a lot. Uh, you give a lot of your time, not just run an amazing firm. You're the CEO and co-founder of one of the most innovative accounting and data analytics firms in the world, I'd say, uh, Flinder, where you help fast-growing and complex businesses. Uh, you're also responsible for one of the best accounting tech meetups worldwide. Flinder takes the pissed, uh, a ski trip that's on my bucket list. You're also a, a serial strategic advisor. You work with everyone who matters, Accounting Web, Digital Accountancy Show. You're also an elected panel member of the ACCA. And of course, you play a very critical role uh, at the Early Adopters Hub as our strategic advisor. You've been here since day zero before me. So, um, you know, that's something you've got on me for sure. Um, before all of that, you, you spent 12 years in a variety of roles at PwC uh, before you then founded your own luxury clothing brand. Um, so I suppose how you got into fashion might be a conversation for another time. But uh, honestly, that wasn't something I knew before I started preparing for this session. So you've done a lot more than I thought. And yeah, have I, have I missed anything? Was there anything you wanted to amend in that intro? It sounds, sounds, it sounds quite fun, doesn't it? Um, well, I think it was 16 years at PwC, but I'll, I'll let you off on that. But um, it was a great, great intro. Um, I guess kind of, you know, overall, I feel really passionate about um, the the world of accounting, whether that's technology, whether that's firms, whether that's, um, you know, on the client side and, and improving that and improving the experience and, and overall giving businesses what they need and should be armed with to make great decisions um, hire people, grow, and transform economies. Ultimately, so um, yeah, it's been great seeing the early adopters hub rise uh, from just an idea, as well, and and uh, be involved in some of those other things that you you mentioned as well. Uh, there is another e-commerce business I, I set up a few years ago, which was a uh, there was a craze for uh, uh, matcha tea, if you remember well, five, six, seven years, eight years ago, something like that. So I uh, had this great idea of setting up a uh, a matcha e-commerce business where we got matcha shipped over from the from the from Japan, I think it was, and then sold um, under a label that we uh, we created uh, as well. But that became more hassle than it, than it was worth because there was me printing off labels that 
on a brand I designed called Ultra Matcha and a Shopify website I built uh, and all the brand assets and doing all the Facebook marketing and such like. And then getting home at the end of the day after PwC, after long days at PwC, and then figuring out, right, how am I going to get to the post office and post these little little tiny pots of, I don't know, 30 grams or so of matcha tea. So, um, yeah, I guess kind of, you know, overall, those two businesses were while I was at PwC and it was trying to scratch that creative itch that I had, that kind of itch for doing something a bit more innovative, having more autonomy and, um, yeah, just an outlet of something that was fun. Yeah, well, it obviously takes a lot to keep you busy. Um, you wear a number of hats already and, uh, you know, that sounds like it's been the case for a while. So, I mean, along with Flinder, you're also building a tech product of your own. I understand you're partway through that journey. Can can you give us a little more into insight into you know why you decided to to go down that route um, and you know aren't you aren't you doing enough? Yeah, cool. So I, I think first of all, um, the first thing to say is is a big shout out to my my co-founder and business partner um, Luke, who is is not always on podcast, is not always kind of on stage, but is an integral part and actually is hugely important in the journey that, that we're on. So while it might sound like I do, do do a lot of those things, you know, there's huge support in the in the business between Luke and myself for kind of, you know, what we do, how we do it and, and supporting each other. So I think that's the first thing to say. And and also having a I use the word co founder or business partner in accounting or running an accounting firm is hugely beneficial. I just cannot imagine having all the hats that it needs just as one kind of proprietor in, in that business. So that does afford us to do other things and, and kind of, you know, get involved in lots of different things. So I think back to your question was, why did we, why did we start that? So if you, if you wind back, I think six years at PwC, I was leading the business unit at PwC called my finance partner. And that was PwC's way or PwC's strategy of trying to work with much smaller, innovative, nimble businesses. And one of the things there we were doing was we drew insights from, you know, what was going on in large multinational finance functions. And and that was all around this concept of being as efficient as possible with process and technology. It was around um, being well controlled with the right controls and technology in place. But ultimately, they were leading into how do we deliver as much insight to the business as possible. And that was through business partnering technology and you know maybe a few other things. And so at that time, cloud accounting in the UK was becoming a bit more um, a bit more uh, prevalent. And so PwC set up this position to call my finance partner. And they adopted this technology called Tableau, which you may be familiar with, right? And so Tableau was really kind of at that at that time was really only relevant for large businesses because of the, you needed these Tableau writers or developers and you needed a, a kind of a, a product to write the Tableau packs. And reading a Tableau pack was was free. Um, so we could write these Tableau packs um, with kind of, you know, deep insights or relatively deep insights from what's going on in the finance side of things and share them with clients who could click a bunch of buttons and it'd be really, really, it, 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 you know, informative to them as to what's going on in the business. And so that was kind of, you know, probably stage one of that. Let's deliver insight to clients. Uh, ultimately, obviously, Luke and I left that business. Um, he, he was also there, left that business uh, in 2017. Um, and set up Flinder, of which MFP was the genesis. Now, one of the things we were really passionate about, well, there's a, there a stack of things that we, a stack of lessons learned from that, shall we say, right? Um, 
and which we which we took and, and built Flinder with um, as, as kind of the core DNA. And one of those things was around this concept of delivering insight. And we felt really passionate in our careers. It was, it, we saw, we worked with businesses and what they really valued was a deeper understanding of the business and not just the financial information. Uh, well, first of all, financial information that was one accurate, so they had confidence in it, and two financial information that was, you know, as timely as possible to make quick decisions to react to what's going on or be, be as proactive as possible. And, you know, coupled with that, businesses actually what they really care about is business decisions, not just financial decisions. They care about business decisions. And so this, this kind of interaction um, or connection between financial information and operational inf- information to us was really, really important. Um, I always say, you know, um, finance, informi- finance information tells you what's happened in the business, whereas operational information tells you why it's happened. Yeah. So we wanted to deliver the what and the why so you can make the changes uh, going forward. And so on day one, we started with a product called Clipfolio, which is a Canadian product, re- reasonable, well, very good product for, for what we started uh, when we started working with it. And so we came up with this concept of a smart finance function, which is, you know, very different to an accounting firm, but we were delivering a finance function at a smaller scale to an SME. So we're doing kind of, you know, everything you'd expect from a shared service center. We're delivering business partnering through a portfolio CFO, and we were delivering um this kind of rich insight or as rich as it could be with Clipfolio, which was a cloud platform. It was accessible on the price point for SMEs. And we were bringing in zero data into that. And we were bringing other system data into that. So that could be a CRM or it could be an e-commerce system or it could be spreadsheet or it could be a bunch of other things. And so we started life delivering that, which was very accessible to our clients, very accessible to us. And we white labeled that product. So it was, you know, you logged in a, you know, a, a, a subdomain of Flinder. Um, it looked like it looked a bit like Flinder because it was it was kind of branded like that um, in, in our brand to the extent we could do. And it worked for a while. We had a number of fee paying clients on it and we had pretty much all of our actual finance clients running on it as well for, for a certain amount of financial data. The other ones might have operational data. And we had some clients that was purely operational data. They didn't have anything to do with finance on it. That's how much they um, they, they valued this operational data. And we had some clients with over 100 people accessing this data on a daily basis, um, which was, was fantastic to see. So that the hypothesis worked there. Um, then kind of, you know, three or four years on, we kind of started experiencing um, wanting to be able to do more with the data, having larger vo- uh, volumes of data and data sets, um, and wanted to be able to manipulate the data in more ways than a white-labeled product could do. So we kind of got into um, the end of the road in terms of what we could do with Clipfolio. Um, so at that point, we had, in the middle of the night, and Johan's probably very familiar with me being, uh, well, that sounds really, really weird with me being awake in the middle of the night. What I mean by that is he probably is very familiar with me waking up in the middle of the night with ideas and being on Slack and slacking him in what probably is the middle of your day and is the middle of my night. Um, so, anyway, so I woke up one, one night a couple of years ago and thought, actually, why don't we build our own product? Um, and that's when the best of my ideas happen is in, in the middle of the night uh, when I'm trying to go back to sleep at two or three in the morning. And so that was the start of, well, let's see if this is possible. 
let's let's do it as cheap as possible and see if we can build an MVP here and see if we've got some technical know-how to be able to do it and actually if we can replace Clipfolio with our, our own product. So that was the start of the journey, the kind of the two, three in the morning epiphany of actually, why don't we build our own? Crazy, huh? Like, why, why would an accounting firm then decide to do it? Um, you know, we're busy, as you as you say, we're, we're bloody busy as it is uh, with r- running a, a firm that, that, that's growing as well. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot we can there's a lot we could go into there because I think there's a few different angles. One is I think there are other accounting firms who have a pain point internally and decide I'm going to go out and build this, assuming other accounting firms are also going to have the same problem. It sounds like your angle was more like oh, I'm not trying to sell this to anybody else. I'm just trying to solve this problem internally for my clients. Is that right? Yeah. So this this is a this is a a product or a service that we are. Uh, well, it's a product and a service that we're selling to our our own existing clients which is, um, there's a very clear focus on who we sell to. So it's e-commerce businesses, so it's fast growth e-commerce businesses, and fast growth tech uh, SaaS businesses. They have a common, if you if you kind of plot the characteristics of those on a Venn diagram, there's this big spillover of like lots of data, um, complex in nature, um, fast growth, uh, demanding stakeholders, um, equity backed. So there's there's a lot of commonalities across who we work with. So we're very much trying to deliver to those, to our target market, rather than, hey, we're, we're an accounting firm. We've come up with this this product. Let's sell it to accounting firms. Now, that's not to say in the future that accounting firms may be a channel, but ultimately we're building a product that works for us uh, and our clients and, and, and delivers value to them. That's That's what it's all about. And I, and I know from the work that you've done with us and, and even before Early Adopters Hub, you've spent a fair bit of time working alongside other early stage startups, helping them shape their product, um, probably spending a lot of time with vendors that weren't solving your problems as well, trying to understand what they were doing wrong. Were there any key lessons that you, you kind of took from other startups in the market that you said from day one, we want to avoid this when we build something ourselves? I'd like to say we 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 took all those lessons and we applied them perfectly, and we 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 built it absolutely, you know, um, perfect first time. But the reality is, um, I don't know in Australia if you have the concept of the leaky plumber's tap. Um, you know, there's probably an element of that where outwardly you can be, hey, this is how you do it. These are the obvious steps and the 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 plans you do, and then when you start and do something for yourself, actually you get a bit a bit. Uh, excited, um, passionate about it, and kind of you know maybe jump in both feet first rather than than doing everything that should be done. Because sometimes you think you know better, right? You advise someone, you sit on the other side of the table, and it's very easy to, you know, consult, facilitate, advise. Hey, this is what you should do. When you're the actual person or team doing it, you don't have that conscience necessarily. You don't have that independent person. You're kind of in it, and you're you're battling millions of things. And so sometimes you cut corners, or sometimes you don't follow your own advice. So um, I think I think a lesson there is have an independent conscience that can um, keep you honest. Yeah. So I mean, a particular strategy that I've seen. I mean, that's. I think there's a lot in that and there's, it's very interesting, but given we're short on time, I, I have to move on to another, uh, another area. And, and I'm curious about the build in public because uh, you guys decided, I think relatively early on in this journey to, to say, hey, we're going to actually communicate this journey with the world. Um, I know you put out a few blo- blogs about it and, and a few things that I've read. I guess I'm curious how you see this idea of 
building in public, sharing rather than keeping things secret. I mean, in the world of startups, IP is is a lot, and and some people like to really hold on to their ideas. But what what's your opinion and perspective on that? Why did you choose to share it? So I think so. So there's a, there's a few things here. Um, so I think the first thing is we were a little further into the journey maybe so the, the, the first episode episode zero was a kind of catch up to hey this is where we are now right and we probably missed a bit so we, we built a very first mvp in plotly which is a python based um kind of data visualization tool that you can grab a bunch of stuff so it was very it was kind of uh, an immense amount of work went into it uh, by by chris and the team but it was it was done as an mvp and then we kind of from then onwards we proved the thesis and then moved forward and, and built it differently right um so we've kind of missed that out but but if we then bring it up to kind of episode zero that was us going actually let's Let's do this in public and let's do a catch up from the last, I guess, nine months or so. Um, and so, hey, I'd wish I, I wish we had from the January to the April the amount of progress that the, the episode zero to three or four goes to. But um, actually, I think that just kind of deviation, I think that's one of the main things that has been an eye opener for me that... Um, Things don't move as quickly as my ambitions have, and things take a lot longer to build than they do to say. Um, and I think from a non-technical founder or co-founder uh, of a tech product, um, that's a massive eye-opener, to be honest. Um, and I think that's a, probably a reflection. Oh, sorry, yeah, I think that's probably um, something I've become aware of when we talk to vendors and we get really frustrated as accountants. It actually takes a lot longer than we appreciate. So I've got a lot. I've got more appreciation and more respect for 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 vendors in the accounting world than, than maybe I did before this journey. Um, but to go back to why we did building in public, there are I think a few things here. Actually, the first one was we obviously built an accounting firm right for the last five or six years, and not very often Luke and I reflected on that journey. And when we did, we thought, "Fuck, we've we've." We've come along with like we didn't. We've been so focused on growth on tomorrow that we've not actually reflected on the achievements that we've had, and the very few times that we've reflected on those achievements, maybe an award ceremony, maybe having the team together at a trip or something, we kind of reflect on that and go, "Wow, like that's really incredible what we've achieved for for us personally." And so I think there's, there was definitely an element of going, "Okay, well, let's track this journey because." I think one of the regrets I have with Flinder is not tracking the journey as we went. Um, I would have loved to have had, like, you know, a fly on the wall Netflix series tracking us and going, like, hey, we're, we're, we're a small accounting firm, but like, and nobody's interested in watching that, save for other accountants, right? Um, but tracking the journey nonetheless, I think, would have been really, I'd have loved to see it back, you know, um, to be honest. So, so that was one of the reasons. The other reason, being like completely transparent and authentic, we, we sell to tech companies. <laughs> if we if we write a lot of, bunch of articles and the trials and tribulations on on building in public uh, on building a tech product in public, then actually that's good content that is relatable to our to our clients. Um, so that's definitely uh, another 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 reason for that. And then the other one is you know just an altruistic reason in the. You know, if we if we share what we're doing, will it inspire other people? Will it help other people cut some of those um, those mistakes out? Um, and so there's an element there of just you know 
terrible phrase, but sharing is caring. Um, and, you know, sharing that experience then, um, you know, we do, we do a lot in the accounting world. We give a lot in the world of accounting and we share a lot of what we do in the accounting world. So I think there's an element there of people can learn from it. But to your point about IP, um, my, my view is, and we've had this view for the, with the accounting with, with Flinder as well, um, when we talk on stages, we can give you all the ingredients, but you're, you're not going to be able to bake the cake the same way we are. Um, and that's that's just fact, because there's so many things that go into it. There's the, there's the actual doing of it, there's the actual process, the actual inputs, and then there's the just the kind of the, the way we do it, the culture, the... Um, you know, all of that that kind of sews it together that just can't be replicated in, in the, brand, uh, the brand that we have. Um, so I think sharing the steps and the processes and the mistakes is is, is great for to inspire and, and help others. But um, they're never going to be able to recreate what we do. Alistair, to pick on a point you've mentioned earlier, uh, you said things didn't go as fast as you wanted. And I, and I know in general, nothing goes as fast as you want, but in particular with the tech product, uh, and you said you've got a bit more empathy, empathy now for vendors, uh, but what, what, what do you think is the lesson there? Do you need to be more strict with your planning or better anticipate there's lots of unknown unknowns uh, as you try and develop a tech product? There's an element that I, I, I'm, an, I'm an accountant. I'm a, I'm a chartered accountant, right? Uh, I've, I've you know, launched a couple of small e-commerce businesses uh, and sold them. Um, I've never built a technology product before. I don't really didn't really know what went into a technology product, didn't really know the methodologies that go into doing it. Um, and so there was, there was an element of probably conscious incompetence there. Uh, I'm very aware of, of gaps, so very conscious of that. But, you know, um, naivety, ignorance, incompetence, all of those words um, probably describe me uh, when it comes to the, the building technology product. Um, so I think that is, was, was probably the, the driving factor behind. So, so I think that's probably driving factor behind the, um, the expectations um, more than anything. So my ex- my expectations are, are always up here, right? With everything, everything I do, uh, or everything um, the team does. Um, but I think there's probably a, a kind of realignment or resetting of expectations based on how long it actually takes to code, to debug, to build something. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the the, the the fairest part in the you know my lack of education in that area, which you know I do I do a lot about. During lockdown, I did a CS. 106 um, coding bootcamp course, Stanford bootcamp coding course. Um, You know, there's a bunch of other things about continual learning uh, specifically for that side of things. You know, where I guess a lot of accountants probably focus on CPD um, and uh, rightly so for their roles. Um, You know, personally, I, I find all that, I've done it for 20-something years, I find all that stuff quite boring. Um, what I find much more exciting is, oh, how do you use Figma, um, for example, and, and kind of, you know, um, the kind of the React side of things and the Python side of things with the product that we've got. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a balance to be had. But, yeah. So be- beyond that challenge, what other mistakes or challenges kind of stand out uh, on the journey today? 
So I, I de- definitely one of them is if if I wind back the ignorance, my ignorance of not understanding the difference between say the UX UI design and the actual development of the product. My assumption was, hey, you can roll that into one one role, and sometimes you can with a very experienced person, um, but actually they're two clear separate roles and. There's a definite step one, step two there. Excuse me. Um, and so I think that's something that held us up quite a bit. Um, yeah, that, that's 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 a big one actually for us. Uh, and then maybe not also hiring senior enough people in the roles that we need, especially like to support the gap that me and Luke have in terms of driving the product forward from a technical perspective. So. Um, yeah, we probably had a gap there in terms of seniority on the on the on the front end side of things. Um, so that's another another major gap that we probably had a lesson lesson learned going forward. Well, one last question before we get to our final question, which is always the topic question. Um, and 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 for this one, I'm keen to keen to pick your brain from the perspective of an accountant who's very aware of the accounting tech ecosystem, very familiar with uh, early stage startups in this space. You've seen a lot, you've worked with a lot. So not talking from your own experience now, talking about what you've seen as a, I suppose, as the customer or the end user. Uh, if, if, if the listeners are founders, if the listeners of this podcast are founders of future accounting tech startups, what is something that, that potentially you see a lot that you really, you think, is just an obvious mistake that uh, they need to stop doing. I know this is this is taking a different direction to your own tech, but is there anything you'd like to say to the future founders out there? Where I've seen really successful products in the accounting world have been accountants, right? And my concern and frustration when I see technology, not always, but but predominantly is when a founder doesn't really understand the market of accounting and what accountants need, what accountants do, and the broad, huge diversity in accounting firms that, and just assuming everybody or all accountants are equal and are the same, work with the same types of clients, that's one of the biggest frustrations that I have and I see so my recommendation to anyone that is thinking of starting a product would be understand really understand your key persona and an, an, an accountant is not your key persona because an accountant or an accounting firm these days is so diverse and of course they sell to key personas who have different challenges and different needs. So it's definitely understand, really understanding that. And yeah, clearly, of course, it is speak to the guys at the Early Adopters Hub to uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, to do that, right? Um, so that would be my, my, my key recommendation would be speak to uh, you, Jack, and uh, Johan. No, I appreciate that. And, 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 and the final question, um, because it wouldn't be the accounting tech tar pit without it, do you have a, a classic tar pit mistake that you 
that you either you experienced doing this yourself or that you see regularly as an accountant out there in the market that on the surface looks like a great play, a great strategy, a great idea, but countless have tried it and it never works or you tried it and it didn't work out? I think, yeah. So uh, I think there's probably two main things, right? And this, this is speaking from experience. And I think, I think that is um, building a product on assumption, on, on your own assumptions. Yeah, or building technology on your own assumptions without doing enough validation and getting enough feedback and getting early paying customers. Now we have we we have very we had very early paying customers even from kind of when it wasn't our product, right? Um, but I think building a product on your own assumptions is probably the main one. And then the other one is like you know we we've um jokes about it before in, in one of those building and public articles in the series I put around um you know if 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 you're not embarrassed by your first product uh, you, you you've shipped too late. Um I I still have the our product is fucking ugly. Right? And I'm still like we we need to make this better. We need to make it look better. And I think there is an element there. I think I think so, so actually we can unpack this because it's really because those two things go hand in hand, right? It's really important to ship a product and get feedback on it so you're not making assumptions and go too far down the road and building a product that looks beautiful but actually has no no commercial viability. So there's an element, right, getting feedback early on a product which is ugly and you're embarrassed by it. But as we all know, and we've talked about this before in the early adopters, so if, it, if it ultimately doesn't look good, you're not going to get engagement because people will just be put off as soon as they log into it, right? And you can think about a zero versus an SAP or, uh, you know, or, or back in the day, whatever the GLs used to look like in a DOS screen, right? <laughs> there, there's, there's clear engagement and user experience absolutely matters. Um, but those two have to be finely managed in order to get the feedback on your assumptions and ultimately making it look great and being proud of it and having the engagement and the virality that you uh, you need the product to have. Otherwise, people just won't adopt it. But I don't, I don't know. I'd love, to, I'd love to actually hear you, throw it back at you and hear, like, from the early adopter sub, there's a lot of debate and discussion around a product looking good and having functionality. Now, clearly, like, you know, you have a two-by-two two matrix. It's in the top right. It looks great and, and, is, and is great. But there's probably a journey and a scale there where the product goes from looking crap, getting feedback, and and moving into that, now it looks good enough. I think this is something that, that we can chat with you about on our little bonus for this episode in a little bit more detail because that balance of managing your potential users' expectations and keeping them engaged and rewarding them with a good output, a good product, something that looks good, and benefiting yourself and learning as much as possible it's a fine balance. It's walking a tightrope. And I think some founders um, use up too many of their clients and burn too br- many bridges before they launch and the others don't talk to enough and build the wrong thing. So it's it's fraught with danger and something that we work very hard to, to balance. But anyway, we'll, we'll leave that conversation for, for, for after this, Alistair. And, and thank you very much. It was awesome to get your insight and to hear about the journey you've been on. And, and thanks for being open and, and honest about some of the challenges you've, you've faced. 
Cool. Uh, awesome to uh, to hang out with you guys again. And hopefully, Jack, we'll get you along. We obviously had Johan over here in the summer a few weeks back, but hopefully we'll get you along in the winter and uh, come along and do some skiing with us. Eh? I'd love to, mate. I'd love to. All right. See ya. Thank you. Thank you once again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are a potential founder in your early stages of developing a product or elsewhere in the journey struggling to achieve product market fit, we would love for you to reach out at www.earlyadoptershub.com. This has been another episode of the Accounting Tech Tar Pit presented by Early Adopters Hub, the accelerator for accounting tech.